Hey guys, welcome to the CP Junkie podcast, where we bring you interviews with dentists sharing their CPD stories and journeys from around Australia. What better way to learn than to follow those who've already done it before? CPD Junkie is Australia's most comprehensive CPD, so head over to cpdjunkie.com.au and become a member for free to access the full features of the site. I'm your host, Lawrence Doan, and tonight we are joined by Dr. Pani Zahari. She completed her DMD degree at UWA with distinction. During her degree, she was awarded multiple prizes for academic and clinical excellence in areas such as general restorative dentistry and periodontics. She was also awarded the ADAWA prize for excellence in leadership in dentistry for her high levels of academic achievement and involvement in the dental community. She has several years of experience within the rural and city practices, both private and public. She's a lover of surgical extractions and injectables. Dr. Pani Zari, welcome to the show. Thank you, thanks for having me. <laughs> so you love surgical extractions, aesthetic dentistry and injectables. Tell us about your CPD journey so far. Um. Well, have, yeah, I, that's, those are things that I love, but I haven't done heaps of CPD with that stuff, actually. So I did a, like, fundamentals course for injectables, which is why I do them. Um, but I haven't done any CPD with in terms of surgical extractions or aesthetic dentistry. I am um, booked in to do a direct veneer course later this year, but... Other than that, I've done um, I've done a composite course, an onlay course. I did a two day implant course, but it's not, it wasn't really enough for me to be placing any implants anytime soon. So I definitely have plans to do more of that. Um, I've also done I did a CBCT course because we had a CBCT at my old work. I don't really use that anymore because we don't have a CBCT. Um, and I did an Invisalign Go course as well, which. Um, I haven't really put to much use yet. <laughs> Definitely plans to do more CPD though once we can actually travel to go to them. Yeah, yeah. So which which is that porcelain, that um, veneers um, prep that you're planning on doing? Um, it's actually a direct veneer course. Um, it's run through ADAWA. Um, it'll be with Dr. Glenn Lidlow. And that's run at like just the UWA Dental School with um, two prosthodontists. And it's just composite veneers. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. So um, I guess you would say that you probably learn more of your um, surgicals and aesthetics in uh, at work. Would you say that's the case? Yeah, definitely. Um, all my surgical extraction training or like learning has been based off videos on the internet and learning in person through like colleagues, like I just basically assisted with any surgical extractions I could at work um, and then attempted, you know, started off with simple cases and just built up from there um, and just tried to be brave. Like at the start, you know, I'd kind of be like trembling a little bit and be like so nervous, even though it'd be like a pretty simple case, but I just told myself I can do it and I just persisted. I think with surgical extractions, that's just what you have to do because you can do courses you know, on cadavers and stuff like that, but it's never going to be the same as doing it on a real person. And as long as you have the backup there to help you with it, then definitely encourage people to learn that way. 
um, as well as other courses. I'm sure there are plenty of good ones. But in Perth, we just had like a cadaver course and I was like, well, I think I'd rather a lot more on the job training. Mm. Your CBCT, I think that's that's mandatory in WA, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. So we like we still have to, we can take the CBCT. We still have to send it to an oral maxillofacial radiologist for reporting. So it's literally just to press that button, you have to do a course. Yeah, and is that within the the, the student um, curriculum, or is that something you have to do external? No, no. So that's something I did like one year out of uni because my first job didn't have a CBCT. It was my second job that had a had a machine. And to be ordered to take, to be allowed to actually take them um, and charge them under your name, you have to do the course basically. Right, and then you have to send off the. So the course itself, when you're learning it, that's just to understand the process um, and all of that. Yeah, honestly, the course was because it was the same people that taught us in uni. The course was actually quite similar to the stuff that we learnt in uni, like in terms of radiation doses and all of that stuff. Um, it was basically like a refresher, but um, it, in fact, it didn't really teach me how to take a CVCT. So I still had to learn how to use our machine at work, um, right. but it's just a mandatory requirement to sort of understand the indications for needing CVCTs, I guess, to avoid overprescribing it. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, you don't know how to report on it. You don't get taught that stuff. You still have to send it to the radiolog- radiologist specialist to get a, get a report on, on it. Right. So you actually wanted to specialize in OMFS even before starting dental school and then discovered general dentistry, but then found that you liked bloods and guts more and then realized that it was actually quite difficult to make it all the way. So where's your mindset now? Yeah, well, yeah, honestly, um, I don't know my mindset because it keeps changing. Um, but yeah, when I was in year 11 and 12, like that was, that was my dream. And I had, you know, my whole life planned out. I was going to do dentistry and then I was going to work as a dentist for two years. And then I was going to buy a Lamborghini and then go and do medicine and then do OMFS. And that was my life plan. But then like, I just obviously discovered that it's so hard to actually get in. When I first was in, in school though, like there was a direct pathway for you to get into the second degree and then you automatically accept it into the fellowship or the training. But um, obviously in the last 10 years that's changed and now the acceptance rate is like 50% or less. So I think I would just I would just be so devastated if I went and did medicine and then didn't get in. And, you know, there are, there are people that that happens to and they're very good and, you know, they've gone and done their extra research and they've gone and done all their observations and they've done everything right, but everyone is just so amazing and competitive that it's just so hard. Yeah. So right now you're just kind of happy with where you're at with the general dentistry. I think so, yeah. I mean, are we ever happy? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if I got, went and did it and accepted it and everything and got all the way if I'd be happy. But, um, you know, I'm always chasing something else, I think. But... I'm, I'm content where I am. Like I definitely want to delve into doing surgicals a bit more because I, I don't, you know, I, I'll do like a few a week, whereas, you know, I'd like to have like one full day maybe. But, yeah, definitely um, I think I'm pretty happy where I am at the moment. So I guess of all those CPDs, what's had the biggest clinical impact on you today? 
Um, well, to date, the best one I did was my composite course that I did with um, Dr. Michael Mandikos when he came to Perth. Um, that was just, you know, you go to uni and you come out thinking, the one thing I know how to do well is feelings. And you do like hundreds of them in uni and then you go to do them in real life and suddenly it's like really, really difficult and none of your contacts are tight and your matrix band never sits and there's all these issues and, you know, I was shocked. I was like, why is this so hard? And a lot of my friends were doing like other composite courses and, and stuff and the focus with a lot of them was like making your posterior composites aesthetic. And to me, I just wanted like good functional posterior composites. So I did um, Michael Mandikos' course. I did the anterior and the posterior one. The anterior one was very helpful with doing aesthetic um, anterior composites, but the posterior one is the one, you know, I use every day. And I, the next day I want to like change the way I tackled them. Um, cause he covered, you know, getting a good contact, reducing your C factor, all of these things that they cover in dental school, but sort of, <laughs> so I, that one was actually, even though it's the most like, you know, you think composite that's, you know, you do that all the time, but that was actually really helpful. And he's such a good teacher as well. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, what CPD do you feel that you didn't quite implement as much or as beneficial for you at the time, but you would do differently next time? Well, I definitely haven't delved into Invisalign Go as much as I could be. It's just that most people that come in wanting Invisalign are complex cases that, um, you know, I go, it's just five to five, Like it's mostly people that come in and they're like, I want veneers. And you're like, oh, I can probably just change that with Invisalign. Um, and then maybe we can just do bonding. Um, so I haven't really used that one to it's like, I haven't at all really. Um, cause I had Invisalign when I was in uni and I was like, I want to do Invisalign. It's amazing. I just, I guess I'm not as super passionate about it. Um, so I've just been referring a lot of, um, I did an online course as well in Sydney um, with Dr. Jamie Fung and that that was a really good course, but because I was just fresh out of uni and we'd done a lot of onlay stuff, I think it was better suited to people that hadn't actually learnt onlays in uni. You know, those older dentists that just learnt full coverage crowns. It was a good refresher, but like I, a lot of the stuff we had covered already in uni, but it was still really good. Do you think sometimes it's related to the way your practice is built? Yeah, definitely. I think like you learn all this stuff in dentistry and then if, if it's not, if you're going to a practice where it's not normal to do that stuff, then you kind of like forget that that's the thing because you rely on the mentorship of the other dentists around you. Mm -hmm. Like in my first practice, we like my, the dentist that I worked with, she didn't do onlays at all. Um, and so I kind of just like forgot about them. So the course was a good refresh to be like, oh yeah, onlays, like they're actually really good. I should do them more. Um, so it was definitely really good. Mm. I mean, it's always good to do things like that, even though, you, even if you think you know everything, um, there's, there's always stuff you can learn. Fair enough. So following up from that, who's been your biggest mentors or idols or inspirations in your career so far and why? Um, well, my biggest mentor would be, um, my boss at my second practice that I worked in probably, um, Dr. Alex Negoescu at Life Care Dental. <laughs> he gets a bad rep because he's a bit crazy at times, but um, I learned a lot from him. I think I previously he used, well, stories I hear he's 
you know, um, he could have been very strict and stuff. But I think I got there at a, when he mellowed out a little bit. So I, I learned a lot and I was really happy. And I owe basically everything that I know in surgical extractions, mostly to him and Bloody Tooth Guy on Instagram. Um, but he, he was a really good mentor. And he, even though, like, with older dentists, like, he's, like, 70 and works, like, crazy hours still. Um, with older dentists like that, it's rare to see them actually be like so passionate about good dentistry and everyone like, and he built a practice where everyone did good dentistry. Like I know that all the dentists at my previous workplace at Life Care, they're good dentists because he wouldn't stand for poor quality dentistry. Um, and yes, he was strict. And I mean, I've heard some of the stories and I don't know if I could survive under those circumstances, but he was a really good mentor in that he was passionate about teaching you and he taught you to do good quality work. Um, but, you know, other than that, probably I have a lot of, there's a lot of guys on Instagram that are amazing. Um, you know, like I'm sure you, you've seen them too, but, you know, like Bill yeah. Gergis and um, those guys with the rubber dam stuff. Like, honestly, I credit all my rubber dam knowledge to like Bill Gergis and Celine Hyten pretty much. They're just like, guns and they have the best tips um and i learned a lot of like biomedic dentistry uh like the workflow basically off tim maxwell um he is he's a gun and he's always like learning um lots of stuff and and yeah i, I got his workflow basically for biomedic dentistry and try and follow it <laughs> <laughs> yes, I've yes. Got at my work yeah um but yeah those are probably but yeah, I mean, you go through dentistry and you just learn so much about different people and everyone has a different way of doing things and it's just amazing. Well, you've actually worked as a dental receptionist and an assistant, right? With quite a few dentists, right? Yeah. yeah Tell so us about I used, that. Yeah, so I used to work for um, a chain, but a lady that owned four different practices um, while I was studying and I basically like rotated around all those practices mostly receptioning but also dental assisting towards the end as well and yeah i worked with a lot of dentists i probably worked with about 40 dentists during that time wow um and i learned a lot <laughs> i learned a lot about how to communicate with your patients <laughs> and like what not to do a lot of what not to do um <laughs> I think in dentistry we just get so caught up and it's such a hard job and looking at it as an outsider, like I've been, you know, I've been the chair side assistant, I've been the receptionist, I've been the patient, I've been the dentist. Like I've seen it from every perspective. Like I really, like it changes the way I communicate with my patients and my auxiliary staff as well. Um, Cause you just got to appreciate everyone around you basically. Yeah, I, I've learned a lot and um, I worked, the practices that I did work in, you know, they had a really high staff turnover rate and like I learned a lot about like, yeah, how to treat your staff well so you actually retain good staff. Even as an associate, it's important. Like you don't hire your own staff, but you want to have a good DA. So you've got to treat them well. Um, and you've got to obviously treat your patients well so they come back as well. Definitely learned a lot from all those dentists. So would you say for a lot of the new grads or the even the students right now at home, um, you know, Definitely to, you know, if you get the opportunity to try and work in a dental clinic or get some experience working in a dental clinic to kind of see how people operate. But then most of all is, uh, you know, how to treat people, not just patients, but like the people that you're working alongside, because they're going to be the ones that are going to be helping you day to day. 
Yeah, 100%. Like working in a dental practice, I, honestly, I think it should be compulsory when you're studying dentistry because it's just so different to being a dental student. And a lot of people are so shocked when they get into dental practice because it is honestly so different. Like we have rotations in like public dental clinics. Like it, it's just a different world. Um, so it's super beneficial, not only in yeah, a communication, but also just like learning how to get a good workflow and, and seeing other people work. Like it's honestly the best thing you can do. Yeah. And do you think you've kind of adapted that into how you kind of operate now? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Like I, having observed so many dentists work, like I have picked up little things from everyone and adapt that to how I work. Like it's it's so important because when, once you're a dentist, you're not going to go and like sometimes you might like pop your nose into your colleagues, but you don't go and like, you know, watch them all day and see exactly how they do this and exactly how they're popping their composite in and what brush they're using and what, what thing they're using. Like you might chat around, um, chat with your colleagues during lunch break or something, but you don't get that like visual, like watching someone over their shoulder kind of thing anymore. Yeah. So what's, what's, what's one or two tips that you've, you've come across that you found helped in your, in your career? Um, well, I, I watched uh, dentists packing with a micro brush and I do that all the time now. <laughs> that's like one thing that I like, I was like, wow, that's actually really cool. And it, it decreases their voids. And yeah, so that was probably one, one tip, try packing with a micro brush. Um, I don't know what else. There's just so much. It's more about like, yeah, positioning. I guess I used to be in weird and wonderful positions. And then when I saw the dentists, like how they position themselves to not hurt their backs and stuff. Yeah, there's lots you can learn. I can't really think of anything off the top of my head, but the micro brush one, definitely. Fair enough, fair enough. So many graduates think, you know, the struggles of dentistry are behind them basically when they graduate. Tell us about any struggles that you came across from your journey. Well, I definitely thought that <laughs> and I was very wrong. Um, yeah, it's, it's, as I said, it's like a completely different ball game out there. When you start working, it's like so, so different and dental school is really hard. Um, but working is also really hard just in different ways. And I really struggled in my first job because, you know, I, I went, I went rural to try and get more experience and I ended up in a job where I wasn't getting the experience that I wanted. I was also far away from my family um and you know traveling 45 minutes to get to work every day um and i found that really tough and you know it's, it's already tough enough going into a new work place um but being away from family and stuff is hard and and working with dental nurses is is hard as a new grad as well um like we had one dental nurse that I guess wasn't very respectful and would try and tell me like how to do my work and, and things like that. And like in front of the patient undermine me. Um, and that can be very demoralizing as a new grad. And I think it's unfortunately like pretty common. Um, and so that was something that I really struggled with. I used to like be pretty sad, like going into work. If I knew I had to work with that particular DA, I would, I just wouldn't know. I didn't know how to handle it. Like I, I'm not, you know, it's not in my nature to be like, shut up kind of thing um and you can't really do that in front of your patients either um so yeah it, it it's really hard it was really hard on me and like I ended up um leaving that job because it just wasn't for me um but yeah it 
the struggles are definitely not over and you just need to make sure that you're somewhere that works for you and you might not find that right place straight away you might change like four five six different practices and eventually get there like it's hard there's no perfect job in dentistry really um but it's about finding the right balance that works for you yeah so i guess looking back at the first one would you say there were particular things that you wish that you kind of thought um you could have done to prevent that from um or seeing those red flags earlier on Mm -hmm. Yeah, I guess it's hard when you're a new grad because you go in and be like, yes, I have a job. Like, I'm so excited. And I think I just jumped the gun. Like, I I, I definitely had a gut feeling that um, the, the practice possibly wasn't for me because, you know, I was a very, like, gun-ho kind of what well, I am, a very gun-ho kind of person. And this practice was, like, very chilled. And I guess I didn't explore the things that I wanted to learn a lot with them. Like, you know, I really wanted to get better at surgical extractions and I didn't really like force that point and like really understand if I would be learning that a, a lot there. Um, I, it's hard to know what the staff that you're going to work with are going to be like. Like my boss was lovely um, and she she was an awesome person. And so I was like, oh, this is going to be a great practice because my boss is lovely. But um, there's just, yeah. There's lots of things. It's hard. There are definitely red flags that you can pick up on. I don't know if I would have picked up on them, but since then I've done a lot of job interviews and I've gotten a lot better at like knowing what I want in a practice. Um, so you just learn, I guess, from all your experiences. It's it's hard to find a good job. So did you were you alone in that um, practice when you were working there, or did you have the the boss there to help you out at times? It was just me and my boss. She, she was lovely. She was always willing to help if, if I needed, like, she was, she was good. I could just go into her room and be like, oh, am I doing this right? Am I doing, yeah. Yeah, so I guess some people would li- would be listening in and be like, why didn't you reach out to the boss to talk about um, some of these things that you were experiencing, the hardships that you were experiencing? Obviously, you know, you're driving 40 minutes and you're thinking yeah. about these things whole way through and you're not happy and it's building up in the lead up to it. Um, yeah, I, I sort of did. Um, again, like I didn't really know how to tackle it. And like, I guess that's again, my, like a partially my fault as well. Um, there were definitely things that I did try and bring up in like meetings or directly with my, my boss and stuff. But at the end of the day, it just became a combination of things like being far from home, not learning the surgical stuff. Like the, those were things that couldn't be changed. Um, and then there was on top of the other stuff, like, yeah, and it just became at the point where it, it just wasn't the right fit for me. And I'm sure like there would be other people that would go to that practice and love it because it's a nice chill vibe and it's a country town and everyone's really nice. Um but for me, it was just too chilled for me. Um, yeah. And yeah, I guess in hindsight, maybe I should have been more assertive about what I wanted. Um, but it's hard as a new grad. Hard, you know? Yeah, it's as hard as a new grad. You just don't know. Like, yeah, but now I know. <laughs> Would you say that you kind of had a growing gut feeling maybe, you know, three months into it? Or did you say, did you, say you felt it more so maybe six months down the track before you started to realize it? Um. I think I, I went in um, and at the start I was a bit like, I am a dentist, I have a new job and I was super excited. 
Um, so it probably took me a while to realize it's not the right job for me. Um, probably around the three month mark actually. Um, and then I was like, well, I'm going to push through, like I'm going to do at least a year because that was my rent contract basically um, with my housemates and stuff. And I was like, I'm going to push through a year. Um, and then I started bringing up stuff. I like reduced a day there even um, and tried to do some work in Perth. And then when I realized I was just trying to make too many accommodations for or excuses, then that's when I was like, you know. it's just not right for me, basically. And I didn't want to let people down. Um, you know, as I said, my boss was lovely and I felt really bad letting her down. But it was just stuff that was out of her control, basically. I just wanted more. Yeah. So at about 10 months, I was like, no. Well, I think your story is not uncommon. You know, there's a lot of new grads that kind of think that same mindset. You know, I'm going to go rule. I'm just going to uproot and just go. I'm going to learn a lot of different things. And then they they get into this little pickle that you're talking about, which is Mm -hmm. I'm going to, you know, I've signed up for a rental. I'm stuck in here for a year at least. You know, if I break it, then that's hard. You know, my family's thinking I've, you know, gone through here. Maybe it's just me. Maybe it's just the first time I'm doing a job, maybe these are all these little things that I'm supposed to expect and accept before I get into it. Um, And then you're stuck in this little nut and then, um, you know, it's quite difficult to kind of pull yourself out of it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I guess the question, you know, is as well, you know, when you knew at that three point mark, looking back now, would you say, it's okay you know it's it's okay to leave just drop it and then just move on because it's better for your overall well-being yeah maybe in hindsight if i had another shot at it maybe i would have just left then um yeah it could be like dr Lupani, just hey i think you should just leave it for a little bit i don't know i'm 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 not trying to push anything here but it's just Yeah, know, yeah, a lot of people are, a lot of students um, who probably would be watching this or any new grads that might be in that similar situation are probably thinking the same things. Yeah, it's it's a lot harder to change jobs when you're rural, definitely. And it was just that mindset of, I'll oh, just push through, just push through, it'll be okay. But yeah, in hindsight, perhaps pushing through wasn't the right thing to do. But I did, I did learn a lot. Um, I learned how to... Became more resilient. Yeah, and how to like how to communicate things that I wanted to change as well, like that. I did learn things like that. Try not to regret anything, but yeah, maybe in hindsight I would have done some stuff differently. So, what's your current ideal clinical day? You kind of mentioned it, you know, a lot more surgery, that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, I mean, you've previously said that you've, you know, having to make adult decisions is what scares you about becoming a dentist. Yeah. How do you feel about that now? Yeah, I definitely, um, it's not as hard making those decisions anymore. Like in the past, um, like when you first graduate, having to decide what treatment to go for and stuff like that, or, or, you know, present treatment options. Um, it's not as hard anymore. Like it's just quite normal now. It's different. Like it's about, yeah, communicating well and like trying to, trying to let my patients sort of make the decision, but also still trying to like guide them. It's still, it's still hard. Um, I definitely still feel that making these adult decisions is hard because you're trying to make a decision for someone else, but you're not in their mind. Um, and you can try and present them all the options and all the 
you know, risks and pros and cons and stuff. But at the end of the day, they're not in your brain, you're not in their brain. Um, and it's kind of trying to make a joint decision, trying to telepathically read each other's minds, you know. Um, so it, it's definitely one of the harder parts of dentistry is that communication and that decision-making process. Yeah. What do you want your ideal clinical day to look like in five years' time? You know, what kind of CPD do you want to do to get to that point? Um, well, I mean, my favourite thing to do is wisdom teeth under IV sedation because it's just like, bam, in and out. Um, and, you know, you don't have to worry about, you know, am, am I making my patient uncomfortable? Because I do tend to go a bit, like, quite a bit slower if I'm obviously doing it in their um, conscious. Um just to make sure that they're comfortable and, you know, checking and checking in with them constantly, whereas you don't really have to do that as much under IV and patients are a lot more comfortable. Um, yes, yeah, so that, that's my favourite thing to do. I hope that I do more training in implants and start to, to do some implants. Um, it does scare me a little bit, you know, like um, I think the thing that I really like about wisdom teeth is you just do them and they're done. Um, they're not going to fail down the track, whereas every single other thing in dentistry has like, you know, a 5 to 10% failure rate. And that scares me a little bit, especially with implants where patients have to pay so much money. Um, but I definitely find it super interesting and um, would love to get into that. Um, maybe some periosurgery and grafting stuff as well down the track. Um, there's heaps Injectables. of things I want to do. I, yeah, I, I'm happy with the basic injectables that I do. I don't really want to get into all that, like, fancy, like, you know, like, cheek. I don't want to do, like, cheek filler or under eye filler or, like, thread lift. So I'm happy with the basics that I do. Honestly, yeah, I, I did the course because I was like, oh, I'm going to get super into this and I'm going to be the next, like, cosmetic queen and all this stuff. And it's fun. It's definitely fun. Um, but I don't want to, I don't think I want to get into like the super complicated injectable stuff. Yeah. It's, it's, would you say that, you know, that was something that you were seeing initially as a, as a new grad, but then that became, when you started doing it, you realized that wasn't for you. Yeah. Like the, it's a high cosmetic demand, like sort of situation doing like lip filler and cheek filler and under eye filler and things can go wrong. And patients can be unhappy, um, same as, you know, with anterior cosmetic work as well, but it's a lot easier to fix a composite, an anterior composite than it is to fix like filler that's gone wrong sort of thing. So, yeah, I guess, I don't know, maybe it's just I'm scared <laughs> of like complications or something, but yeah, I'm definitely not as passionate. Like I, I, I like doing Botox um, and like, you know, basic stuff like that. But filler is where it gets a bit more like complicated and I'm not like super confident with. Do you have someone in your team to help you um, through it? Um, I have a colleague that does, like did the same course as me basically. So um, he just mostly does Botox. I don't think he does much filler work either. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. Um, so you're an ADHF. Is it an Australian Dental Health Foundation volunteer? Do you do that a little bit about, can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, so I just worked with ADHF through um, the Curtin University oral health therapy students have like this day once a semester where um, at the dental school they will see like um, homeless or, or um, refugee type patients um, 
And basically the OHC students will screen them. And if any, any treatment that's beyond the scope of an OHT, then the dentist will jump in and do that. So that was my role with that. Um, and it's pretty fun. Like, I mean, it, it can be a bit frustrating at times because it's quite slow because obviously you're with students and, you know, you want to jump in and help as many people as you can and do as much as you can. But you've obviously got to let the students learn as well. Um, but it is, it's a good day. Like it's nice and chilled as well. It's a good thing, I guess, that it's chilled. I definitely want to get more into, I want to do like the, they have like homeless connect days or they have a van that goes and sees like, you know, 20 patients in a day and, and things like that. So there are definitely more opportunities there. Um, it's fun. I don't know. I really enjoy volunteering. Um, I don't know why I just find it fun. <laughs> That's okay. I mean, it's, it's good to hear that, you know, you're passionate about it, it sounds to me. So we, got, we have a guest question from Dr. Tim Maxwell. He wants to know who's the best bold dentist in WA. <laughs> well, I've already given him a plug, so he can have another one. <laughs> best bold dentist. <laughs> one quick, another quick question. Are you still considering astrophysics as an alternative if you didn't do dentistry? Oh, wow. <laughs> That was like, yeah, back in school, astrophysics was, I was like obsessed with it. Um, probably not anymore, no. <laughs> not dentistry. Not, not into that much of a career change. Fair enough. Well, Dr. Pani, thank you so much um, for coming on the show today. Um, if you could let the people know how they can reach out to you and what's kind of going on in your life. Thanks, Lawrence. Um, yeah, if people want to follow me at Dr. Underscore Easy Peasy because my initials are PZ case anyone didn't get that um <laughs> and i'm on linkedin as well but you know it's pretty boring on there dentists don't really do linkedin very well <laughs> <laughs> go check out your reels that's what's that's where it's yes. all at hey? i love reels i have so many more to come watch them like them share them <laughs> <laughs> well have a good night great thanks lawrence you too if you like this episode drop a comment below on your favorite part or leave a review Don't forget to share it with your friends and we'll see you in the next episode of CP Junkie Podcast.